All right. Welcome to Cognation. I am your host, Rolf Nelson. And I'm Joe Hardy. And it's uh, good to be back in the year 2022. Uh, I know we've we've taken a little bit of a break, so it's been a while since our last episode. So it is good to be back. Um, this has been just a particularly busy time for, I think, both of us. Uh, the semester has been pretty rough for me, and um, I think hopefully we'll be back on a more regular schedule now. Yeah, it's great to be back. And uh, yeah, realize that we haven't really introduced ourselves uh, to the audience for some time. We started this podcast a few years ago, and I think we kind of introduced who we were back then and haven't really recently. So might be just a moment to say a little bit about who we are. You know, uh, we, Rolf and I know each other from graduate school where we studied at UC Berkeley in the same cognitive psychology program and studying, both of us studying vision science. And uh, so that's sort of how, how we came to know each other. And we've continued on in different paths. I uh, ended up working in technology for the most of the past 17 or 18 years, I guess. And uh, Rolf is as a professor. And uh, for different reasons, we've both been quite busy uh, over the past few months. And so we haven't had a chance to record. Hopefully we can get back to it a little bit uh, in the in the new year. But we're super excited to um, get back to doing some of this stuff, talking to some interesting people of course, today those interesting people just include us, since it's just going to be uh, just uh, just us today, no ga- no special guest. Um, yeah, but so as Joe said, so I'm a I'm a professor at Wheaton College in Massachusetts, and I teach in the psychology department and in neuroscience, uh, and my area is also in visual perception. Um, but no, Joe and I are both interested in a, a number of areas within academia. We we like to think about um, philosophical issues related to neuroscience, um, you know, advances in technology, all that kind of stuff. And um, I think we try to expand our, we've tried to expand our our show into um, sort of a wider field of, of thinking about the human mind. We, we had, you know, we had a guest, uh, we had Annie Murphy-Paul on who talked about the extended mind and uh, sort of this philosophical idea of of thinking about the mind as existing in the world. And, and we've talked to a few philosophers. We've talked to some people about religion. Um, uh, what else have we talked to about, Joe? We talked to Josh Mealy, who's another friend of ours from graduate school, about the work he does in assistive technology uh, for people who are not sighted, who uh, are blind. And that was a really great episode. That was one of the last ones we recorded. Yeah, and an update on that one, too. Some good news for Josh. Um, shortly after we recorded that ep- episode, he he received the MacArthur uh, Genius. I don't know if they still call him Genius Grants, but he received the MacArthur Fellowship. So he gets a whole pile of money to spend as he sees fit. And it's a great honor, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fantastic uh, award for him and just great to see him. Um, one of the things that we haven't talked about too much in the show we just sort of often just kind of kick off these things but some of the people that we talk to are people we know from previous our previous lives in graduate school in particular so um stephanie preston was on um uh you know josh was yeah, on brett brett stansfield uh yeah. josh mealy yeah right so you know that that's that's part of where some and then other people who are, are people who are writing books Typically, that's with podcasts how <laughs> how it happens. Uh, people are writing a book, and they their a publicist reaches out. So, if you're writing a book, you want to be on the show. 
let us know. But if, or if just in general, you have something interesting, an intersection of technology and neuroscience you want to talk about, let us know and we, we'll see if we can fit you on, get you into, onto the show. Yeah. yeah, that's a, a good little background on. Oh, yeah, I guess I should, I should mention. Rolf mentioned that he's a professor. He was actually the. Are you still the chair of the department? I'm the. Yep, I'm currently the chair of the department. Yeah, yeah. so that's causing him headaches. It's <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> making it less possible to do the the podcast. And I started a company uh, a couple of years ago. Um, co-founded it. Uh, the company's called Anuma, and we do virtual reality uh, at the intersection of psychedelic science. Um, and VR. So if you guys have listened to the show, you know that in the very first show, I talked about how VR was not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've since uh, changed my mind on that uh, as, as witnessed by the fact that I started a company um, in the VR space. <laughs> I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, but um, just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, well, that's that's part of one of my predictions for the new year too. So Okay, okay, okay. Well, we haven't shared our predictions. So we're going to do predictions for the new year. Uh, we haven't shared them at all. Why don't we just kick it off? That sounds like. Well, do we want to have any caveats before we do this? Oh, I mean, our you predictions know. are perfect. I mean, that's well, uh, as we as we went back a hundred percent. I haven't, I haven't checked. I haven't actually checked what our predictions are, but I'm pretty sure I got them all right. Oh, technically, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I didn't I have no idea what they were, but I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely perfect. Well, the thing. Okay, so this is a. This seems like a tricky year for prediction. I don't. know. I have absolutely no idea it was going to happen. I mean, that's that's twenty twenty one. 2021 seemed like such a hazy year. I couldn't, you really couldn't tell what was going on during 2021. So how are you supposed to predict that and follow trends and, and figure something out for 2022? Yeah, no, no, it's, it's not possible. Yeah. And, and it's, it's sort of that thing. Like, I think our, I feel like our decade predictions were probably, probably better. I mean, I guess it's, yeah, you have that's more. Right. Yeah. More. It's easier to predict farther in advance. Eventually <laughs> yeah. something will happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's that Bill Gates thing, right? You know, it's, people always underestimate what they can do in 10 years and overestimate what they can do in a year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I guess with those, what we can kind of kick it off. Do you want to go first Ralph? Or Okay, sure. Well, let's see. Okay. So we each have, I think we have about eight four predictions yeah. total. So we each have four predictions and these are really distilled down to the, really the the best quality prediction. Yeah, so, I mean, this is this is like you should be put placing bets on your stocks based on this. So my number one, well, I don't know. This is uh, this is in no particular order, but my one of my predictions is better telepresence robots. <laughs> okay, I feel like there should be a genuine. You know, I think all of my predictions are based on um, things that have a that would have a reason to exist. Like there's a human need for them. I feel like right now. A good telepresence robot would be, I think it'd be a great, uh, like an educational tool, right? I think because in my classes, at least last semester, there are a lot of people disappearing because of COVID or, you know, something going on. All they have to do is just stay in their room, just throw on a, a telepresence suit and it's like they're right there in the classroom. So that you're thinking make... like the robot is in the classroom. It's one of those deals <clears throat> where the robot's kind of rolling around the classroom with a screen and a... Yeah, well, this kind of, I mean, this kind of stems from the, I, I saw the state of telepresence robots now, and basically what I saw is, I, I forget the name of the company, but it's basically just like an iPad that you can rotate a little bit. That's it. Yeah, right? that's, so we that's need, a little bit weak. I think, I mean, I feel like a, a college should have on hand a number of, I mean, you should have, you know, like a, a you know, a sturdy mannequin size thing that you can throw in the classroom and it can do things like look around 
maybe raise its eyebrows. <laughs> uh, you know, raise yeah. its raise its hand. Uh, look approvingly at the at someone who speaks. I guess I don't know. <laughs> so you're just basically looking better, for some, some feedback, basically. So, yeah, something feedback. Some feedback because I think that you know what's what I'm thinking is you know everybody did Zoom meetings like all the time for a while. And then it sort of switched, and it was real time. And then it was real in person meetings, and now it's some people want to stick with real person meetings. Some want to, people want to be never be in person, and for all of these various reasons, it seems like it would be really nice to have good telepresence robots that you could just hop into, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, I think that's good. I feel like you just get a you get a dozen of them or so for a for a college and then you know when students are gone they can just rent one i thought you were i mean for a college i mean the, the way things are going these days you need like 10 percent of your population of the college well yeah that's know. true that's true that's yeah but Maybe i like that more. i mean i and i have something i have something for that right now i mean it's not it's not directly 100 percent there related but i think it's a little bit related on one of my predictions so i was talking about um you know predicting i was looking at ai because we always like to talk about ai because yeah it's related to cognition uh just in the way especially more recently as neural networks have become again um prominent in the development of artificial intelligence and machine learning etc so it relates back to our neuroscience stuff but you know i got interest i was looking around at what was going on and 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 the one thing that stood out to me was uh gpt3 GPT three, yeah, generative pre-trained transformer three. Do you know this one? I don't think so. Uh, basically, so GPT three is essentially like it, the, the company that does it, or the organization that does it, is called OpenAI, and they've created a it's a natural language processing tool. It's all it's like really a whole tool set, uh, artificial intelligence based way that language can be generated. Uh, it can tr- you know so it basically can generatively create uh, language in, uh, you know, basically you can ask it a question, it'll give you like a reasonable sounding response. It's Uh like the closest thing that you have like to an off the shelf tool set that can uh, beat the Turing test, if you think about Mm -hmm. it that way. So like you can talk to this thing and it sounds like a bit like a, a person would talk. It's just trained on so much data uh, and they, they traded on on Wikipedia, for example, and you know it's got so many parameters, just oh, a ridiculous number of parameters, um, and so it's just it's a super complex, you know, very you know, the training of it was it was intensive, but it's definitely the state of the art when it comes to this, you know, language uh, AI, essentially, if you can think of it that way. And so what so what's going to happen in the next year? Well, I, I, you know, I was, I was wondering about that and I was thinking, you know, like, I don't have like a ton of good ideas for this show, so I'm just going to ask it. And here's what it said. Oh, you're going to ask, okay. You're there gonna is a strong ask- chance that human level artificial intelligence will be developed. Self-driving cars could eliminate urban traffic deaths within several years. Advanced manufacturing technologies may start to significantly improve the efficiency of resource use, as well as begin to reduce environmental impact. Rapid progress in gene editing may significantly extend healthy human lifespans by curing genetic disorders and modifying the genes that control aging. There is much potential in the fields of neuroscience and topology if they are used to their full capacity. So that was the predictions for 2020. I asked the question I specifically asked was what are 
five things that are likely to happen in 2022. Those are very optimistic predictions, I think. Yeah, I have some. So, I mean, first of all, let me just say, GPT-3 is like biting our style because these are <laughs> these are all like a lot of the things that we like to talk about. Yeah, right. Maybe we should invite. I want well, one of the things I thought about was well, maybe we should just like let the fucking machine do it, right? Because like, but then I just looked at do the rest of the show. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, you know, it's but I, you know. One so, no no. I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. These are all these are clearly. Um, nonsensical algorithmic um predictions that have no there's no grounding in them we have we we have a we have a good connection to the to the real world that's right this thing has no idea right well i mean but the other thing i would say that so the thing that came out of this was like for me was was like okay interesting that it was able to respond with something that sounded sensible but it didn't quite didn't quite answer the question, right? So because I was specifically asking, what are five things that are likely to happen in 2022? Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a strong chance that human-level artificial intelligence will be developed. I mean, is that a this-year prediction? Not, okay, that's, that's not, not a this, a this that's, year prediction. That's not a this year First prediction. First of all, what do they mean? I mean, what do they mean by human-level intelligence, obviously? Right, exactly. I mean, this is where some analysis is helpful, right? So we can talk about the fact that like in some, you know, depends on what you mean by intelligence, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to with that one. You know, we've talked about this on the show before, you know, if you're talking about solving certain problems quickly, like, you know, math problems, you know, um, even playing chess or, you know, you know, solving some very algorithmic type of problem, the computers are already doing better than humans. So like that's, yeah, right. that's in the past, un- right? Like that in some places, pretty- it's unclear where you would want human level intelligence. Right, exactly. So you've, you've, ex- you've eclipsed it in some places and, um, and in other places, um, you know, you're behind. But nothing that approaches a sort of general kind of problem solving ability. Well, that's, but you know, it's interesting when you say that because, you know, I agree. I agree. So I was thinking about like, what would it like what would it mean to like really do that in a, in a way? And like, so there's the Turing test that we talked about, which basically says, you know, is a conversation with this thing indistinguishable from a human? And I think we probably are there with this GPT three stuff, depending on the context and how, how much, how many questions, you you so? get to, how many, yeah, depending on how many questions you get to ask and, and how, and like what the like context of the feedback is, I think you're, we're probably mostly there. Um, but Maybe at the level of about a maybe a chimpanzee. <laughs> it's a pretty smart chimpanzee. I mean, well, you know, chimpanzees can learn like you know 150 symbols or something like that, right? Right, right, right. Hmm. Well, this is a lot of. I mean, this is you saw that this produced this paragraph in yeah. like two seconds. Like those are and these are all like reasonable sentences. Like whether the, you know, it make it's not exactly answering the question, but it is a, there are kind of like predictions and it, they are sentences. So, and there are things that are happening. So, I mean, it's definitely beyond like the champions, but then like, and you know, to your point, like if you're asking about like, can, can it solve an unstructured problem? Can it identify where the problems are and mm, yeah. they exist and then, and solve those unstructured? Well, obviously we're pretty far away from that. And I think that's what separates humans for the most part from other animals. But if you're asking just like IQ, you know, if you're just saying like in, te- in time in terms of like an IQ test, I bet that this thing could. I bet AI could. You could build an AI right now that could have almost perfect IQ at the level of well, like if you an bet, IQ you, test. Like you would, you could probably build one in the same way that you can build one to play Jeopardy. You could build one to 
take an IQ test. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that's just important as people think about IQ and what IQ is, which is not the same thing as intelligence. Um, it's IQ is just the res, you know, results on a specific kind of test. Yeah. So the other thing I thought about when I was looking at this list was, you know, like self-driving cars can eliminate urban traffic deaths within several years. Advanced manufacturing technologies may start to significantly improve efficiency of uh, resource use. A rapid progress in gene editing may significantly extend human lifespans. This is extremely techno optimist. Yeah, and, yeah, and it concerns me that the, <laughs> that, they, that they're making a, that they're making an AI that's that's yeah spouting techno optimism. Yeah. Right. So you know, one of you know, if we're thinking about the robot apocalypse, yeah, I mean, you can start to see how that happens, right? I mean, yeah, it's through it's all through optimistic, <laughs> happy robots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that actually qualifies as as a prediction there, but that was that was what I had to start with. Well, that's definitely something uh, to keep an eye on, I suppose. Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. so uh, my second one is uh, body drones, which by body drones, I mean like the very, you remember, gosh, what are those, uh, all those movies where they shrink real small and they jump into someone's body? Yeah, like uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, and Ant-Man, stuff like that. Yeah. I I'm thinking that, I'm rather than seeing like just all of that at once, I think you could start to see basically I'm thinking like laparoscopic surgery without any of the wires or anything. So you could have, um, you know, put small drones in and be op operated. I don't know how you swim around in, in the bloodstream or whatever. Um, here's one idea uh, for clearing obstructions in the intestinal tract. I mean, you could imagine something that would be, you know, small enough that it could go all the way, it could pass all the way through your intestinal tract and maybe remove something that you didn't want there. Um, so you're saying like shrinking down to that size and, and then going in the body? Yeah, like, and then having someone operating it, like someone, like a regular drone operator. But not like, like a big size person. No, not a, no, I'm not talking, <laughs> not talking about a strength grade. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> no. Okay. Just to be clear. Yeah, right. We have those already, don't we? Like robots that you can you can yeah I'm pretty sure we have, I'm sure that I'm pretty sure that exists for the intestinal no, tract for sure. I'm talking about like uh, yeah I mean I'm talking about uh, ones that could be operated by someone and would be cord free. So if you wanted to, you could take a detour somewhere else, right? You could you could hop off. If you're in the intestinal tract. You could I don't know hop off somewhere else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Technology starting with bigger ones. And then, you know, as you get better, you can hop into smaller arteries and stuff. Yep. Yep. I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that. So that's what I got. All right. I call, I call them body drones and I'd like a, I, I'd like a patent on that too. <laughs> well, <laughs> may, yeah, maybe a trademark. I think that sounds like more like a trademark, <laughs> but yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Um, I had my other, my second one was, um, about virtual reality, as I mentioned, I had an, a, had been a, a VR skeptic, and now I'm much more. I, I'm, I would describe myself now as a VR enthusiast. Although most of the VR out there, I think, is is what we call shitty VR. So yeah. um, I think it mostly sucks. But I think I, I my prediction. Let's get to the prediction. I guess is the prediction is that this is the year of virtual reality. That long, long, long predicted but uh, often delayed um, you know, arrival of virtual reality as a thing. I mean, I think it's here. I think this is the year. Um, 
Wow. Okay. Well, let's maybe we can combine combine that with one of my predictions, which is um, well, same with just the connection to metaverse too, which is um, also that you know there's this huge potential for it. Um, I don't, and it's really hard to know what it would look like, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you know the the imagine. I mean, I think when people say metaverse, I really I don't like the term that much. Uh, at all because for a few reasons I never really liked it because it sort of has this kind of what is it what does it conjure for you for me it sort of conjures like the ready player one thing right Mm -hmm. where you're sitting yeah you know in your horrible trailer at the top of this huge stack and yeah right all you've got is this kind of like a matrix like yeah this tether to this other world because your your world sucks so you all you want to do is spend time in the other world yeah, I don't want that. That sounds bad. And I think, so I, I don't like it because I don't want that. And I don't, and I also realize that other people have, many other people have the same connotation that I have. So I think it's also bad branding from that perspective. So I think it's like, rather than try to recreate the world and do stuff, oh, wow, I can make like a super realistic roller coaster or whatever. I think it's what's really cool about virtual reality is being able to do stuff that you can't do in real life for whatever reason. So, you know, occupy the same space as another person, like physically overlap and, you know, um, you know, feel present with a person who's halfway around the world who you'll never be able to meet. And, you know, but you can feel like you're there and you can really, in some sense, be there in the same room together in this virtual space. I mean, that's the part of it that I find compelling is this idea of embodiment. So like feeling like using your body, feeling like your body is, is there, how do you so how do you see that as you know what sorts of things can you see augmenting that because i'm you know i'm thinking about that a little bit too and and i agree that's something people want one of the one of the seems things that seems like an obstruction to it is the fact that you have to wear these glasses and just having something on your face means it's hard to have a representation of you or like an an image of you in virtual reality too it is it is and that's um you know that's certainly like you know, that's where right now the the best stuff in VR is not trying to make you look like you. I mean, in some sense, like, why do you want to look like you? Like, you can look like you in real life, um, you know? So, and what's, what's so important about that? What are we so attached to egoically that we need to, like, you know, present well, ourselves? If you're, trying to connect, if you're trying to connect with other people across the globe or across the world, I mean, you want to... You want to be recognized anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So some, some, some way of, um, of being recognized. Yeah. And uh, having an identity. I mean, certainly voice translates nicely. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's so much done with avatars, but avatars like tend, you know, still tend to be very shitty looking. Cartoony. Cartoony. Yeah. And this is that you're in that so-called uncanny Valley where it's Mm -hmm, like not real enough to like, be good and you know to like really be compelling and but it's close enough that you know that it's supposed to look like that so yeah i mean i have some ideas about that but i mean you know in terms of like technology wise you know one of the things that's really going to be helpful is you know better use of of the cameras like on the on the device so that you don't need like controllers for example so there's like hand tracking on the oculus Mm -hmm. quest has that and other devices are developing that you can imagine 
pulling in other objects from your environment using those external cameras, mm-hmm. um, so-called like inside-out tracking. And you, you know, so that doesn't those cameras aren't pointed at you because they're pointed outside. So to your point, it doesn't represent you as well. Um, so if you're willing to just let go of that, then it works well. And then, you know, the, yeah, if you really feel like you need to like, you're so tied to like how you personally look um, on, on screen, then, you know, this mixed reality, I guess, is maybe a, an approach. So what are the, I mean, we can't have big clunky glasses forever though. They have to, they have to be more integrated or easier to use. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yes, no, for sure. I mean, I guess I would say there's a few things there. Like one is like easier to use is huge. Like that's, that's currently the biggest barrier to entry. Like one of the reasons why people don't like, you know, have trouble or don't get into VR is just because it, there's a number of setup steps that you need to go through and that, and the technology has not always been super robust. And so it's taken, you know, multiple steps of calibration, et cetera. Right now, I mean, where you are with like the Oculus Quest 2, I mean, it's pretty much off the shelf. You put it on and you start and you're starting in virtual reality, like within, you know, a few seconds, which is a massive leap forward, which is why I say that I think VR is here. It's because you can, this experience is so compelling and you can be there in, in, in seconds. Um, but like in terms of like, you know, the question is like, is this something that you even should be using like many hours a day? Like if you, I mean, I don't think that you really should. That's my whole point about the metaverse. I don't think you really should be using it. What I think it's really great for is like you put the headset on and now you're in this space where your attention is fully engaged in the space that you're in virtually. Mm-hmm. So because like right now, like, you know, we're I can see you on, on our video. People can hear us. But the people who are listening to us are probably doing something else, which is great because like we're just talking shit, whatever. It's fine. You should be like, you know, going for a walk or whatever you're doing, you know, around the house that you're doing right now. That's perfect. That's a perfect way to listen to a podcast, but you're not giving your full attention to this. If it were something that required your full attention, you know, like it would be better if you were really fully paying attention to what was going on in the virtual space that we're, you know, cohabiting, you know, and virtual reality kind of forces that to be the case that if we're hanging out in virtual reality, like we're not, it, you can't multitask. We're not, yeah, we're, we're not, not looking at your our, phone yeah, at the same time. We're not checking time. our phones. You know, we're not cleaning the dishes. Like we're we're there together, and it, it makes a big difference. And it's actually right now. It's like a, it's an it's an affordance. You can decide whether you think it's a good or bad, but it's it's an affordance of the device. I mean, Apple's going to come out with their device soon, and I think if it would, you know, the thing of just like there's two things you mentioned. Like one is like. You know the fact that you can't really see the person who's speaking, and then like that's that's true. I don't think it. I, I've come to the the view that it's not inherently it, it's a difference, and that's why I think some of these technologies are complementary. That, that this is not going to like replace everything, nor do I want it to or think it should. But um, the other is just the thing right now. It's very heavy. I mean, that's to me mm-hmm. is like the one thing that's yeah. like clear. It's like it's it's heavy and a little bit can be a little bit uncomfortable. So. It's like a, it's a process. It's like a process doing it, like going into virtual reality. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, that, you know, that will continue to improve. And I think, you know, lighter, easier to, yeah, lighter and easier. So what what kind of interactions would you imagine having on VR that would be useful? Because I'm, I, I can't stop thinking that 
with the metaverse, the whole idea is to sell more products and it's it's meant to be like a big giant Facebook, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to do a commercial for Anuma here, but I mean, I think that what we're trying to do is like one of the things that that is cool. So I'm not, I'm not going to even like do that commercial, but um, I mean, I, you can check out our website. But but yeah, the, so your, your, your app or your app is um, about making human connections across right. distances. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Having meaningful, real interactions that are transformative uh, with other human beings and in ways that you can't do in real life just because, you know, there are things that you can do in virtual space that you can't do in real space. And also you're just sometimes not going to always be able to get together with everybody, especially, you know, especially these days, but, but, you know, forever and always it will be the case that you, you know, there's some people that are on the other part in another part of the world, they're just not able to get to them. So, um, you know, for both of those reasons, I mean, I think in general, those are the kinds of things that are really cool. It's like being able to interact in a meaningful way versus, you know, the kind of interactions that you have on social media, which are like, so, well, they're anonymous, first of all, and, you know, in many ways. And then they're also like, there's just like a, a lack you get of no sense of tone. Yeah. No yeah, exactly. Of, yeah. There's no sense of this person's a real person. There's no sense of their, their, their being as like, you know, something that's, that's equal to your own. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, where like, it's a real connection. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm excited to see how all of this stuff shakes out. I don't, neither of us know we don't know how it's going to happen or or what what it's going to look like um but i would love to see some accelerated growth in this area and see what happens though yeah no i mean i think there's also some real concerns about you know the stewardship of that space um you know and particularly with met meta you know the company meta we don't yeah we don't necessarily trust all of um big tech's motives on all of this stuff yeah and we or at all nor should we <laughs> let's be honest um yeah so is it your your turn or, or my should we move on to the next prediction yeah okay next prediction for me is and i don't know anything about the science of this but i think it would be uh an amazing thing to have real-time covid testing i'm imagining just having um some kind of some kind of device that can test on a continuous basis whether or not you have covid i'm not imagining this for everybody but i'm imagining like a a, for research right because i'm really thinking about just the poor quality of data that we have sometimes and the um also the just really the lack of testing and availability of of you know sort of knowing where you're at right now which i think we should we should know that by now in the in the pandemic right Um, and I feel like big breakthroughs like this, you know, could be happening. It would be, it would be amazing to see uh, a kind of real real time testing where you get a, you just get a, a notification on your cell phone that you just contacted COVID. Yeah. No, or, I've, you know, you could extend this to lots of other things too. Sure. Yeah. I mean, what do you think that would be? What would the form factor or something like that be like? Well, I'm, a, I guess I'm thinking like any of these kinds of things are, are bulky and unwieldy at first and then maybe get better. But I was thinking, you know, something that would take blood samples, so it would have to be sort of plugged into you in a way. So like a for, Theranos, you know, for, Theranos type of device. Well, yeah, except <laughs> one that works, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Theranos. That's what I'm trying to sell here. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of something. It could be unwieldy and it could be intrusive, but something for at least test subjects. You can kind of tell 
you know, the moment people contract COVID and you can just get a better sense of how these things are working. Yeah. Or maybe it could be like a breathalyzer kind of thing, you know, like take, you know, you breathe into it type of deal. Yeah. Analyzes that. I mean, we have these rapid tests. These. Well, I mean, yeah, you could just take like a rapid test every like 10 seconds all day and see when exactly it happened. Oh, you're thinking like truly continuously. I'm thinking truly continuously, like, you know, so you can, you can really monitor levels and you can get a real sense of, you know, vectors and, uh, you know, where it got contracted. Yeah. 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 That would be interesting. I don't think that's going to happen in 2022. Well, that's where you and I differ then, my friend. That's my. <laughs> okay, good, good. That's good to have some different. Because, yeah, I mean, we can't even get like the normal things that we already have to people who, yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Ah. <laughs> 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 Fucking COVID. Right. Next. Uh, yeah, real-time COVID testing. That's all I got. Okay. okay. What's what's your next prediction? All right. This one is NFTs, right? NFTs. Oh, we, we know them. We love them. No, we don't. No. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> no, no, no. I was thinking, like, where are some places that NFTs are, like, totally not needed at all? But they will probably... And that's where, that's where yeah. you predict they'll show up. That's where they'll show up. Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking of, like, you know... Actually, the the DMV goes like totally blockchain, and you get like an oh, NFT wow. of your driver's license, or like even better yet, like hospitals will offer for a charge, a significant fee, get your birth certificate of your child as an NFT. Oh, that's actually kind of cool. Is it? Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea really what I'm know. saying. I don't know. I don't even really know. I was just thinking of like all the weird things. Like, what's the weird weirdest place you could end up? But some sort of digital ownership. I mean, yeah, it's a where. Yeah, maybe it does actually kind of make sense, right? That maybe that's where it does make sense. It's like because it is truly you can unique. Suggest right? something, I think you can suggest something totally crazy on this, and it'll actually sound more sensible. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Take an NFT of your poo. Yeah. Um, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know where NFTs are going. I don't know either. I mean, it's it's it seems to me Yeah, I'm it's one of those things where I'm happy to like join in the on the like side of like the pile on of people saying this is just ridiculous and crazy, but at the same time I'm like I don't just don't understand it well enough to know that it's completely crazy. Yeah, I hear you. You know, like I mean, I'm I'm still the I'm still that way. Well, I'm still that way with blockchain stuff. Yeah, I mean, I get the idea of yeah of of some of the idea, some of why some of why it would be appealing, some of the characteristics of blockchain, you know, um, just in terms of you know being like a really you know really solid ledger that like you know you can't like lose track of what happened when and so on and so forth and who owns what um, and what was agreed upon and, and that kind of stuff. Obviously, yeah, like the way that the it, idea, but the idea of the first implementation of it as being worth as much as it is for no particular reason. Yeah, it's hard to. Yeah, it seems like it's it's like a, a solution looking for a problem. It's kind of what it feels like right now. Yeah, and also, just yeah, the, I mean, yeah. this is. I mean, these can be predictions themselves. Where the blockchain is going to actually come in, where it's actually going to be useful. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either. I think it's going to be. Um, 
getting uh, your birth certificate as an NFT that you can then sell to someone else. Oh, well, what happens when you sell your birth certificate <laughs> NFT? You're se- then you're selling your identity. Yeah, right? you're selling your identity. It could be valuable depending on who you are. Huh. It's a lot to think about. It is a lot to think about. It's a lot to think about. We'll have time to think about it in 2022 when it happens. Right, what's your what's your next uh, next prediction? I don't know. I think I might have gone. Let me see. What else do I have? Uh, now metaverse tied in with your virtual reality stuff. So that's all mine. All right. I have one more, uh, which is I think that 2022 is the year that um, a psychedelic is approved by the FDA for use in mental health. I think specifically it will be. MDMA will be approved for use in post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, there's like a set of phase three trials being performed by MAPS. Uh, and, you know, that's going to be wrapping up this year. And I think that 2022, if not 2022, then 2023 will be the year where that's approved. And, you know, we'll start to see a big shift in uh, the treatment of mental health issues um, with this sort of, you know, the application of psychedelics in, in some of, in some of those uh, situations, it's going to cause a lot of, it's going to be revolutionary. It's also going to cause a lot of questions and, and uh, challenges for the industry and for our, our whole mental health system, which is kind of in, in, in poor straits at the moment and uh, will require a lot of resources that I don't know that are quite being developed in the way, way they need to be. But yeah, that's the prediction that that will be happening this year. Well, I, I mean, I think that would be an exciting thing to happen because it seems like there's a lot of promise for these kinds of things. Um, I mean, not just MDMA, but, a, you know, a, some other um, pharmaceuticals that, that um, I think Michael Pollan brought this to the fore a lot a couple of years ago and how to change your mind. But, you know, it's sort of been brewing for a while that, that there could be something um, transformative about using these in, using these powerful drugs in, in extreme cases. Um, so, yeah. and maybe not some, not even so extreme cases. I mean, I think maybe the, not even, yeah, maybe yeah. not even just extreme. I, cases. I mean, we know that this, these are, these are technologies that have been used for many, many, many years, uh, in different ways. And it, yeah, many people have gotten uh, a lot out of them. And if they're applied in a way that's intentional and systematic could be, could be quite helpful to the, to humanity. I mean, we'll see how it goes, but, um, yeah, I guess so. Psilocybin is probably next up on the um, uh, on the the rolls of, of um, psychedelic drugs to be approved, and that will probably be for depression treatment resistant depression. It's probably like the next place that we'll see that. Um, so those are both coming, and then it, it'll be very interesting to see how that develops over time. Um, I agree. So those those are the flawless predictions for twenty twenty two. I think those. Well, the the future is always hazy, but luckily you have us to guide guide you <laughs> guide you through with some certainty. Yeah, it's it's good to have some certainty about what's going to happen. You just you just need to listen to this podcast, and and you're pretty much there. Once a year, too. I know, and then you know. I mean, all right. Well, let's just. I mean, let's just hope that 2022 is better than the previous two years, which. I know. I would like to make the prediction that it will be, but I, <laughs> I don't have enough confidence in that. But yeah, I also I, the hope is for sure there. And well, I, we don't know. Like we don't know if this follows the same time course as the 
as the great as the influenza of you know 2000 or sorry 1917 right but um if it does it was it was about a three-year cycle right was it really that long yeah i mean we're i mean there's a lot more people and there's a lot you know we have vaccines and there's all kinds of other stuff going on but it would be great to think that you know the end's inside at some point i can't imagine anything well i say this i can't imagine anything more virulent or more spreadable than omicron right but, i mean the, the, yeah the real thing would be if it, omicron becomes then even deadlier or something like as transmissible as even deadlier that yeah oh man Ugh. well we can't imagine what's going to happen there i can't i, I mean, can't no i have no idea just keep the fingers crossed on that one yeah yeah well well, everyone, um, happy new year. I know we're late. We're always a little bit late on these things. Like that's just kind of our deal. Like we have day jobs as we described at the beginning. <laughs> so, yeah. But and apologies yeah. that we're not getting these out on a regular basis, but it's, um, we're happy to be back. And um, yeah, 2022, this is going to be um, the year for cognition. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, tweet at us if you have ideas, thoughts, comments, questions, criticisms uh, at nation cog cognition podcast, uh, you know, you know, let us know what you think and thank you. And we will hopefully be back very soon.